Good to see you this morning. If you're watching us uh, on Facebook, thank you for joining in. Uh, what better way to start our service than celebrating what God is doing in the life of our church and the life of those uh, who are here. And so I want to introduce you to two people who are going to be baptized this morning. I really like this candidate's name. I don't know what it is about it, but I want to introduce you to Sam. And uh, <laughs> Sam is coming forward for baptism. And uh, as both Sam and Luke and I were talking backstage, it's so refreshing to hear what God is doing to change hearts and lives. And Sam's testimony, his story is of that. And we were talking uh, just a few minutes ago of how excited he is for this day. And so, Sam, we are rejoicing with you today. And so based off that, I ask you, who is Jesus in your life? He is absolutely my Lord and Savior. Amen. 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 Sam, might have you step just forward just a little bit this way. Sam, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of Christ's death. Raised to the newness of life. Amen. Amen. Church, will you join me in praying over Sam this morning? Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for the testimony of faith in you that Sam gave this morning. Lord, we pray blessings over him. Lord, thank you that we rejoice in this day. We thank you for the church family that is surrounding him. Lord, may you use him in power and for your glory and for your namesake. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's give another round of applause to Sam. I want to introduce you to Luke over here. And Luke, like Sam, uh, has been excited for this day, right? Amen. And, and so I've been looking forward to it. And so, Luke, we're so excited for you. And today, will you tell me, who is Jesus in your life? My friend, my father, my Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Well, Luke, I'm going to have you step this way. And I'm going to, it's my privilege to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of Christ's death. <laughs> to the newness of life. Amen. Amen. Luke, I'm going to have you sit here and pray for you right here. Church, join me in praying for Luke right now. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for Luke. Thank you for his testimony, Lord. God, we ask that you also would use Luke in power for your glory and for your kingdom, Lord Jesus. And we thank you for his bold testimony of faith, declaring you as his Lord and Savior. Lord, we rejoice in you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Amen. Stand together, please.
song even more appropriate when we put it together with the baptisms? Example of that freedom that we have in Christ. chains have been set free, and that we are free to worship in spirit and in truth, even here this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and thank you. Amen.
says, I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to protect what I have entrusted to him until that day. Hold on to the example of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Protect through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you, the Word of God. Let's continue. I know not how the Spirit moves. Singing together.
You know what I'm going to ask, right? Because I never really hide it. Have those smiles. Where's your pleasant face? The smile, the warm. Could you find someone you don't know? Shake their hand. Welcome. I'm serious. Find someone you don't know. Shake their hand. Welcome them here this morning. Good morning. Welcome to church. Y'all are so well behaved. You sat down as soon as I stood up here. That's amazing. I, I have to come up here and compete with the choir, so all I've got is me, and that's you know, not, not quite enough. We're just so glad you're here, and, and we just love to connect with you. Uh, we've got many ways to connect with you. The personal way is you can go to the welcome desk and connect, and, and somebody will be glad to help you there. Also, we have a... Uh, what we call a link tree. And so if you text CONNECT to 904-441-6900, you will get this beautiful link tree right here. Can't see it from where you're sitting, I know, I'm just showing you a picture. But it, it has a CONNECT card on there, it has a way to give, it has all the announcements that we're gonna give, it has a digital bulletin, um, and talks about the 4G tour of the building, and also has our website and the business directory. So there's just lots of ways you can get all the information all in one spot, and I don't have to stand up here and give you four different words in order to tell you what you need to do. So it's really a blessing for the staff, and I know it'll be a blessing for you if you use it also. So we have a, um, a lot of opportunities coming up, as we always do, and uh, that's, that's what makes this church exciting because we try to do a lot of different things. We try to connect everybody and, and get them involved. Um, one of the ways that the ladies can get involved is we have a, um, an event coming up on Friday, August 4th, at 6.15 p.m. It's called Flourish. It's in the Christian Life Center. And it's, a, uh, it's just an opportunity to worship and be with the ladies. And, and, and it's very, um, very fulfilling. So you should um, connect with the ladies and see um, in the atrium and get signed up for that if you're, if you're interested. Also, you know, this week is Say Yes Weekend. That's why you see all those tables out there. There's lots of opportunities for you to say yes to things. And right now I'm gonna give a shameless plug because I got the microphone. So <clears throat> we need help in our coffee ministry. In case you don't know, um, last weekend we had 1,145 people here for worship. That's just adults. And we had three people in the coffee ministry. So they need some help. Um, there's lots of different ways to help in the coffee ministry. And if you would go out there and see Leslie, she will plug you in and get you in on the schedule. And we would just love if that would happen. Um, and then we have some other opportunities. So we'll talk about something that's coming up um, in a couple of weeks. On Sunday morning, August 6th, um, we will have an opportunity for every person that comes to worship that day to tour the new buildings. So um, we will come in and we will have a time of worship and a, and a short word from the pastors. And then we will go through and we will tour the buildings. Um, we will give every person that goes through a Sharpie 
and you can write on the floors, not the walls, you can write on the floors. You can put family members' names, you can put verses, Bible verses on there, and you can just pray over those buildings. It's just an opportunity for the people in our church to pray over the buildings that they've so graciously contributed to, and we just would love for all of you all to come and do that. Um, and then, you know, the most important thing is what happened this morning. We have baptism, you know, bringing people to Christ. And on uh, Sunday, August, August 13th, at 1 o'clock at 9th Street, we'll have an ocean baptism. So if you know anybody who wants to be baptized or if you're ready to get baptized, come see one of our counselors. We will get you signed up and get you dunked. So <laughs> with that, I would just like to talk about generosity for a moment. You know, this congregation is extremely generous. It's, it's the reason that we're able to come here and worship and, and be together as a family. And uh, we're just so thankful for your generosity. Um, you know, we have a, a giant building campaign going on, and I know we beat the drum up here every week, but it's very important that we continue to, to you know, finance that building and get it completed because we're going to bring lots of people to Christ once we have these buildings up and going. That's, that's what they're there for. So with that, let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house and worship. Father, we thank you for the, the volunteers and the staff and the members of this congregation that all contribute so generously. Father, we ask that as we come to this time of, of giving, Father, that we would just take everything that, that is brought in by this congregation and given by this congregation, that we would use it totally for, to fulfill your will, Father. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand, please. Blessed assurance, sing it out. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Lord of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior of the day. Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture now burst on my side. Angels descending, bring from above, hands of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song, raising my Savior.
with me a cappella, but sing parts. This is my, this is my story.
John. That was, that was awesome. Let me make sure this guy is on here. You guys hear me now? Okay, maybe. All right. Well, good morning. Good to see you all here this morning. It's Say Yes Weekend. We're so excited that you're here. And what an incredible opportunity this weekend we have to join in on what God is doing. Uh, start this morning, though, I'd like to ask the question, is it easier to say yes or is it easier to say no? <laughs> what do you think? Easier to say yes? yes? Yeah. Oh, you said yes already. There you go, right? I read an interesting article about uh, growing up and teaching kids to talk, and it was interesting enough that they said the most common words spoken by children as they are learning to speak after the word mama or dada, do you know what the most common word was? No, no right? <laughs> we don't have any issues learning the word no, right? Sometimes it is hard to teach kids, and it's hard for us to use the word yes. But my talk this morning, I would say that the two greatest yeses we can give in our life are one is saying yes to Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That's the first greatest yes. The second greatest yes that we can give in our life is when we say yes to allowing God to use us in the ministry, to serve him. And so those are the two greatest yeses I see. And, you know, this morning I want to talk about what is our reasonable response what is our rational response to give to a God who has given us everything? Not that our response determines our salvation. God's gift of his son was the free gift of salvation for us. But I would say that our response shows and reveals our gratitude to our Savior. How do we show gratitude? What is our reasonable response? I uh, spent some time uh, waiting tables in college, and uh, it was always interesting to see sometimes as you're waiting tables uh, what kind of tips people leave. And sometimes people left a tip that was not reasonable at all, less than 2%, right? Uh, and, and so it was always a struggle. And I noticed recently that going into a restaurant after I'd gotten our bill and as I was looking at the receipt, there at the bottom, there was a little extra help there. And for those of you like me that are not great with numbers, all the help... Uh, with math is greatly appreciated, right? But there were a few columns down there. It said 10%, uh, 15%, 20%, 25%. And then based off what the total amount of your check was, right, there was a percentage to help you understand what a reasonable tip might be for uh, giving to your server, right? There, there's that help there. And I think that was very helpful in understanding, okay, this is what is rational or reasonable to give to our waiter or waitress. I wonder in our lives, in light of what Jesus has done for us, in all that Jesus has given to us, what is a reasonable response for us to give to him in our lives? How should we live our lives in response to what he has done? And that's the question I want us to look at this morning. And I'm grateful in the scriptures in Romans, Paul gives us a little bit of that answer. And if you've read through the book of Romans, the first part, up to the first 12 chapters in there, Paul does a really good job on helping us understand the state that we are in. He helps us to see that we are broken and we are lost and we are in desperate need of a Savior. 
And as long as we have sinfulness in our lives, it creates a separation between us and God, and we cannot experience peace with God without righteousness. And Paul makes it very clear that none of us, because of our broken state, because of the broken world that we live in, are righteous enough on our own to have a relationship in peace with God. And Paul makes it very clear. But then as he lays that out, our desperate need for a Savior, he shares with us the incredible, beautiful good news that Jesus came to this earth, went to the cross for our sake. He was the perfect sacrifice, giving of himself for us. And, and, he, and scripture talks about, as Paul lays it out, this beautiful exchange that happened. And the beautiful exchange is this, that Jesus in his righteousness, in his perfectness, the Holy Son of God took on our brokenness and his sinfulness, and he exchanged his righteousness for our sinfulness. It's a beautiful exchange. For out of it, when I have faith in Jesus, he takes away my sin in exchange and gives me his righteousness. Amen, church, right? Amen. It's the beautiful exchange. So Paul does this beautiful job laying this out very clearly for us in detail, theologically, and helping us understand just how mighty our God is, just how merciful, how all incredible our God is. But I love in chapter 12, he helps us to answer the question that I think all of us need to answer. How do we live in response to such a great sacrifice? How do we live in response to such great mercy? And I want to have you this morning, if you can, turn to Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 1 and 2. And if you're able this morning to please stand in the honor of the reading of God's word. And you can follow along on your phone. Uh, if you're using the Bible app, the, the notes are in there. Or if you want to look on the screens or you can use your Bible there. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul writes this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning. Other translations, as you look at that passage in first, the end part of one, where it says, which is your spiritual worship, you'll see other translations say, what is your reasonable or rational act of worship? And in fact, if you go there in the Greek, it, it hints at this idea of what is reasonable or rational. In other words, what Paul is saying, he's saying, look, in view of the fullness of God's mercy that he has shown to us, this is your reasonable response. And so if you're taking notes this morning, what is our reasonable response to God's mercy in our life? And the first thing that you can write down is live sacrificially. Live sacrificially. In the first part of the verse, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Paul is saying in view of, of what God has done and what he has revealed to us about his mercy to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. 
What is our reasonable response to a God that fully gave us all? It's to say to God, in view of your goodness and your love that you have showed me, I commend to give you everything which I have. My life, my breath, my time, my resources, all of it is yours, O oh Lord. And you may be saying, Sam, well, that's, that seems a lot to give. <laughs> I don't know if I can give all my time. I don't know that I can make available all that I have to give to God. And really what we're saying is, God, if you ask of it, I will give of it. And you may say, Sam, well, that, that just seems unreasonable. But I would say that in view of God's mercy, in view of God's love, this is just but reasonable. And I would say that what is unreasonable is, is, is that for a God who gave us everything is just to say to him and say, God, I, I listen, my life is really busy and I just don't have very much time to give to you. I would say that that's unreasonable. To look at a God who has sacrificed, who did not spare anything but gave fully his son, Jesus, for our sake, to look at him and say, God, I don't know that I can serve in, in our local body. I don't know that I can help others. That's not reasonable. That's unreasonable. Sometimes we have a hard time uh, saying, God, I I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to give up my time, my resources for your kingdom and your glory. But if you're struggling with that, what Paul is saying, look in the rearview mirror. I don't, I don't know if you guys know this, but in your car, hopefully there's a rearview mirror. And the rearview mirror helps to see things behind you or things in the past, right? In, in, in our lives, when we look in the rearview mirror, if your life is like mine and I look at God showing up in my life over and over and again, and I see God's faithfulness every day, I see him working in my life, I look in the rearview mirror, I can't help but looking forward saying, God, you deserve it all. You can have it all based off how you have saved me, based off how you have rescued me and healed me. God, I just want to say moving forward, everything is yours. When we look and see what he's done for us. It is but reasonable to say, God, I want to make my life a living sacrifice. Uh, what does it mean to sacrifice? The idea of sacrifice means to surrender. To surrender over to God. It means to render sometimes that which is most valuable to us, our time, our resources, as a gift to God. Sacrifice is about giving that which is hard to give, right? It wouldn't be called a sacrifice if it was easy to give, right? Sacrifice means that we're giving something that's hard. But yet we see the value of giving that which God has already given us back to him, of our time, of our resources. I want to challenge you this morning to sacrifice for God in a big way. Because the greater the sacrifice, the greater dependence and faith and trust we put on God and in God. Uh, I love it. First Peter chapter two, verses four through six says this, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. I love that kind of that analogy that he says that we each are living stones being built in to the body and faith of Christ, right? We're the body of believers. 
And our mission and our purpose as a body of believers is we're building uh, this, this church, not the brick and mortar, but the lives, the people of the church, that our calling is to spiritually sacrifice of ourselves for the building of our faith. I love to think about it this way. As we sit here in this room this morning in the sanctuary and we think about it as we look around each person that's here and each person that's worshiping across the hallway at our contemporary 1030 service, our lives are built off the sacrifices of so many who have gone before us in this church. This body of faith, again, not necessarily the buildings, although those were as a part of that sacrifice, but our lives that are changed, that are different, because we know Jesus came as a result of people saying yes to the Lord. I can't help moving forward thinking about God's call on our life for the future generations. That he is calling us to make sacrifices of ourselves, of our time, to serve in such a way that they too can hear the good news. That they too can be a part of the body of this faith, that they too can be a part of God's church. Second thing you can write down this morning is we're going to be reasonable about our response to God is we need to allow Christ to influence change in your life. Allow Christ to influence change in your life. Paul says this, do not be conformed to this world. Paul is reminding us that when we receive Christ, there should be a change that happens in our life. God calls us to live differently. But hallelujah, that as God calls us to live, to live differently, he doesn't make it all up to us in our own strength. He helps us along the way, right? He calls us to a different life. He equips us to live that different life. But the question is, are we allowing him? Are we inviting him to change our hearts and our lives, our thoughts, our minds so that we might honor him more. I love hearing stories within the church of God's radical transformation. I had coffee with a, a young man this week, and he, and he began to tell me in a 30-minute period over the last two and a half years how God had radically transformed his life. I mean, changed his family, changed his work, changed so many things about his life. And, and the day that we were meeting, he was celebrating two years of sobriety. Two years of sobriety that he was celebrating. That's because of the God we serve. I, I love that we just got uh, to celebrate Luke and Sam up here and, and their baptism because we are celebrating that God has brought change in their lives. That's what it's about. But if we're going to be reasonable in our response to a God that gave us all, it's going to him and say, God, if there's any motive, if there's any desire, if there's any ambition in my heart that is not pleasing and honoring to you, then Lord, you change it. You make me so that I am pleasing to you in every way, shape, or form so that I bear fruit in my life. So if we're going to be reasonable before God, there's an invitation to him to change our hearts and our desires to be more like him. Third thing that you can write down is if we're going to be reasonable in our response to God, we need to continually reset your minds on the things from above. Continually reset your minds on things from above. I love this part of this passage, and, and, and it says, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Why does transformation happen in the renewing of our mind? For we are transformed when we renew our focus 
and our ambition, our desire to be on that of Jesus. Why do we renew our minds? Uh, and why do we need renewal in our minds? Is because we live in a broken, fallen world. And, and things, as we live in our minds, right, each and every day, things can get out of whack. They can get our priorities, our desires, our ambitions can get offset. Uh, I, I love we use this phrase in our house. And my kids know what it means and our family knows what it means. It's called reset the living room. And I, I tell you, especially on a Saturday when we are in the living room together with our two kids, two adults and a dog, things can get a little messy. Pillows end up on the floor. Blankets end up on the floor. Cups end up everywhere. Toys are scattered amongst everywhere. And so at the end of the day, what we have to say is reset the living room. And my kids know, okay, that means pick up this and put it where it goes. Pick up the toys. Take the cups to the sink. Wash them out. They know what reset the living room means. And the reason we have to sit, reset our living room is because after a while, after spending time in a place living and cohabitating there together, things can get messy, right? Everybody knows what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> can I tell you similarly, we live in our mind each and every day. And we live in a broken, fallen world. And I know in my own life, if I'm not careful, the focus of my mind, the desires that I have in my heart they will get off pace from where they need to be. And so I have to reset my mind in Christ Jesus. That's what he's talking about. Be transformed. Continually look to Jesus for him to give you understanding, for him to give you wisdom. Look to him. And find that reset to put your priority and your focus on him. Colossians 3.2 says it like this. Set your mind on things that are above and not on things that are of this earth. We must constantly renew our minds to make sure that our focus is to bring honor and glory unto the Lord. If we're going to respond to the mercy of God in a way that honors him, we will do well to focus our minds on the things not of this earth, but the things that are above, so that we can be fully obedient and walking in the will and plan of God. You know, as I, I see this passage too, and I, and I know as looking and hearing about the statistics of so many people battling mental health issues in our current culture and time. Battling anxiety, battling depression, battling worry. God gives us an invitation and reminder that we must renew our minds in Him. We must take rest and refuge in Him. Because this world will distract us take our attention and take our priority off serving the Lord Jesus. How do we respond to a God who's shown us mercy is to continually put our attention and our focus on serving him. Fourth thing that you can write down this morning is we must diligently discern God's calling on your life. Diligently discern God's calling on your life. He says the second part of verse 2, he says testing that you may discern what the will of God is. Look to know, in other words, what the will of God is in your life. Know it. Be aware of it. Look for it. Paul says that there is a test we must pass. It's called discerning what God has planned for us. And luckily, uh, we're not left alone in that. God's word gives us uh, understanding and wisdom. The Holy Spirit guides and directs our lives but we need to constantly test and discern what God's will is in our life. Um, it's an understatement to say that I've spent a lot of time in school. 
I spent more than 12 years in, in college and uh, postgraduate and all those things. And, and uh, during my time and my educational experience, I've had to take a lot of tests. Some tests I did really good on, some tests I didn't do so good on. But I've taken just about every kind of test that you can imagine. I've taken written tests. I've taken multiple choice tests. I've taken open book tests. I've taken take-home tests. I've taken essay tests, verbal tests. I mean, any and every test that you can imagine. And I don't want to take any more tests, right? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of times as I was preparing for tests that people were uh, drilling into me how important this test is, right? This test right here that you take will potentially determine your future, whether you get into this school or whether you graduate, uh, whether you pass this class, and all these tests can weigh heavy. And I don't think in all my years of 12 years and all the exams and final weeks that I've been through, every semester I developed a twitch in my right eye. And it's, I'm not kidding. Every semester. Because the weight of those tests weighed heavy on me. And can I tell you, honestly, at the end of my life, I, I, as I face my creator, I don't think he's going to hold me accountable for my ninth grade algebra test. <laughs> I don't think that as I stand before my creator, the tests of my Comp 101 in my first year of college is really going to matter to him. No, but the test that is going to matter, the test that means everything, the test that we want to make sure that we get right each and every day of our life is the one where we discern God's will for our lives. Amen. That's the one that we're going to be accountable for. That's the one that matters. And so Paul is saying is that each and every day, look to know what God's plan and will is for your life. And the good thing is that he makes it easy for us. It's to love God and to love people and to be in the ministry of serving God and serving others. And I would say each and every one of us in this room has the same calling on our life is to serve God and in sowing do serving others. That's the calling that he has on our life. That's the will. That's the plan that we need to know. You know, it's so easy in our day and time to get off path of where we should be to lose priority and focus on what is deserving of our attention. You know, uh, before the time of GPSs uh, had turn-by-turn -turn navigations, there was a time, especially if you were a mariner at sea, where to get to your destination, you had to have a heading. And the heading came from looking at a compass and looking at a chart and maps, and you would take that compass and you would dial that compass down to give you a heading to the degree and boy, that heading was so very important and, and so important that you would often take time day and night trying to check that heading to make sure that you had not gotten off course. And can I tell you, when you have a heading, every degree matters, right? If you get off just a few degrees, well, you may say that's not a big deal, just a few degrees. Can I tell you a few degrees over a few weeks can make the difference of landing or finding land or not, right? The same is true for us. In discerning God's will in our life, God doesn't want us to be close to God's will. He doesn't want us to be just a few degrees from where he wants us to be. No, God wants us to be right in the middle of his will. Discerning and knowing where he is leading and where he is guiding us. 
Are you living your life in the middle of God's will? Are you saying yes to allowing him to use you for his glory and kingdom? You know, I think most of us, when God nudges us, anybody been nudged by God before to do something, right? <laughs> We've all been there. Oftentimes when God nudges me and he says, hey, Sam, I, I want you to do this. I want you to serve in this way. I like to give all the what-if excuses. God, what if I get in there and they don't like me? Or what if, God, I get there and I realize I don't know enough? God, what if, what if I'm not the right person, God? I like to give all the what-if excuses. But I wonder if we changed our response to God and then saying, Instead of saying, God, what if I'm the wrong person? What if I can't do it, God? What if we changed our narrative to say, God, if I said yes, what if you could use me in my weakness for your glory? What if I had the privilege through your power, Lord Jesus, to help somebody know for the very first time what it means to have faith and trust in Jesus? What if I had the opportunity to help somebody with their eternal life? What if, what if I, I volunteered to serve in our children's and youth ministries and I got to share with a young person the good news of Jesus? What if I joined our, our parking ministry and what if I got to welcome somebody for the very first time to church? What if? I think we should change our narrative. When God nudges, say, God, I'll, I'll present myself and I cannot wait to see what you are going to do in and through me. I'm available. Uh, a famous missionary, Hudson Taylor, who was the first missionary to China, said it like this. All of God's giants have been weak men and women who did great things, for they reckoned on God being with them. They said, God, what if you showed up in my weakness, in my inability? What if you showed up? Because, God, I know that you're a big God who can do all things. At the beginning of the service, I told you the two greatest yeses I think that we can give in our life is one saying yes to following Jesus as our Lord and Savior. The second greatest yes is saying yes to serving him with our lives, with our time, and our resources. And this morning, I want to tell you that you can respond to yes to both of those today. If you're here today and if you've never said yes to walking in relationship with the Lord Jesus, today is the day. Today is the day that the Lord has given you to respond, to say yes. And just as I said earlier, it's the best yes that you can ever give. It will change your life. But this morning, maybe you're here and you haven't said yes. You felt God nudging you to get connected, to get involved, to be a part of what he is doing here in this church. Can I challenge you? As you walk out in this atrium, there are many different ways that you can say yes. But you can give that yes to the Lord your God. Because in view of his mercy, in view of all that he has done and all that he has given us, the only reasonable response to give him is yes, Lord. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. And God, as we have an opportunity to respond to you this morning, may our answer, may it be yes this morning. Not yes because we have to, not yes uh, because we feel guilty, but yes because we want to. In view of all that you have done for us, Lord, may our response to be yes, Lord. Here am I, use me for your glory, for your kingdom. 
And so this morning, as we have a time of response, Lord, I pray that we would follow in obedience as you lead. It's in Jesus' mighty and holy, powerful name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Church, let's stand. If you're here this morning and you want to say yes to Jesus, to following him in a relationship, you want to say yes to Jesus, to serving, I'm here. We have decision counselors. There's volunteer teams that are waiting for you out in the atrium for you to give God your yes. However he leads, may you follow in obedience. Sing together. from your word this morning. It challenges us. It pokes us. It, it prods us. Sometimes, Father, in uncomfortable ways. But it's ultimately, always, to bring about your best in our lives. So as we are looking at what your word says and what we realize the challenge for us today is, is how can we serve you? And specifically, how can we serve you here at Anastasia? But Father, there are options. There are, there are ministries that 
can use our giftedness, that can use our talents. But will we be bold enough to pursue even just one to see how we can enrich a ministry and its people and how you can enrich us through it. So Father, challenge us this morning to do, take that step for you and in Jesus' name. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.